Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 226. In this episode, we look at the value of carving out time for analysis, HubSpot form analytics using Shopify and HubSpot, and what is a good conversion rate. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well. And you know what? In this episode's inbound thought of the week, I really want to chat about analysis time, carving out analysis time. It seems like we're so busy doing stuff, we don't ever get time to review stuff. And it's more important than ever, I think, to be actually spending time analyzing the results we're getting, looking for insights. It sounds obvious, but it's actually very hard to do. And you know how in content marketing, there's that old adage of for every hour that you spend creating content, you need to spend an hour promoting content, that kind of 50-50. Well, I'm actually going to add something to it. I reckon they should spend another hour analyzing the results. How much time do you get to analyze stuff these days, Ian? I think I analyze when I get into trouble, Craig. In saying that, that's obviously the first time people often go to analyze things, right? Something's not working and I need to find out how to fix this. But I guess how we came across this today in the show was we were thinking about, well, what are the parts of HubSpot we haven't utilized in a while, right? And we came across the form analytics and I thought to myself, oh, it's interesting. Digging a bit deeper, I'm like, oh my goodness, like there is so much gold in here that we could actually utilize to make things better. So here are a few things we're going to highlight to our listeners of the tools within HubSpot that can make things better. And the first one is the form submission analytics. And there's so much gold in here, understanding how you can utilize that to get better results. The next one would be email analytics. And another one is calls to actions or CTAs as we know them in the system. And even, I'd even go one further from all of this, you could look at blog analytics. That's there. You can look at sales analytics. Like there's so much of stuff. And I think it's a very wise thing to do to set time aside to make this happen. One of the reasons we wanted to call out these three specifically is because they are often overlooked. I think everyone knows to go and look at landing page analytics. Everyone knows to go under the reports menu and check out general website analytics. But these three, form submissions, emails, and CTAs, are often overlooked and provide a ton of value. And we'll come to that in shot three. All right. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And here is a quick shot. And it is the HubSpot Slack integration updates. And this is to view a Slack card on your HubSpot contact record and the ability to connect to a Slack and ability to contact your Slack account to multiple HubSpot accounts. You know what I find interesting? They're always integrating with Slack and there's in workflows, you can write to Slack channels Correct. and workflows. I have not seen a single mention of Teams ever, I think, from HubSpot. I mean, there are integrations, I believe. I haven't used them. But yes, there is. It's all about Slack, isn't it? And again, I'm pretty sure they're doing this based on data that they have within the system, right? And what people are using. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes, won't it? I absolutely think so. I think it is something that will change over time as we go more enterprise. We'll start to see things shift. All right. Now, listeners, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is taking from our growth thought of the week, which is about HubSpot form analytics. And it's... Uh, Reminder to us about the richness and the fullness of the form analytics available within HubSpot and the things you can utilize to make things better. So, Craig, what are a few of those things? 
Well, first of all, there's the overall view of analytics of all the forms. And we've got screenshots in the show notes, which you can check out later. But uh, if you're just listening to this in the car, just to describe some of the things. So you get overall all your forms, you'll get a sense of the views, uh, you get a sense of how many submissions there were, and then conversion rates. And from there, you can actually drill in and see an overview of all the individual forms for their submissions and get their conversion rate. And then you can drill into an individual form and see its conversion rate and things like impressions and conversion rate as well. So it's quite comprehensive from the high level right down to individual forms. And that can be, I guess, illuminating in terms of which forms are working. I particularly like the list of all the different forms. I can see all the forms, how they're compared to each other. Some are winning particularly well, and then others don't perform. One little caveat that I will mention, though, is if you have an integration with a form tool, for example, on one of our sites, we use a, a tool called Optin Monster. It's been there forever, so legacy thing. We just connect that to HubSpot, and so those form submissions do come into HubSpot. They're treated as a non-HubSpot form, and so you don't see views. You do see submissions, but you don't see views, so therefore without number of views, you can't get a conversion rate. But if they're HubSpot forms, you will see those conversion rates. And later on in the show, we actually talk about what's actually a good benchmark in terms of those conversion rates. How do you find these, Anne? Do you find you're using them with clients, working out what's working? And in terms of things that do work, are there particular areas that work well in your experience? One thing I've found out, Craig, is if you've got one form, for example, a pop-up form running across multiple pages or a series of pages, understanding on which page it's actually performing better is uh, one of the key things. And then thinking about, well, do we need to create a separate pop-up form for the other pages or do we be more targeted with the pop-up form that's on the page that's working So that's one of the key uses. The other things that uh, we've often been asked about is if people are filling out this form, where are their sources or where where are the best performing Mm. sources that the people are converting from? And this can vary from page to page and form to form. So it's another really good thing to drill down to work out, is it working? And now if you use the forms in a smart module, right, you could potentially switch forms out based on even the channel that they're coming from and the information you're collecting. So just be aware of that. It's a really good tip. Another thing with the individual form analytics, you'll get to see the flow of how many views they got, how many times people saw the form. So it might have it might be on a page, but it was below the fold. How many times people saw the form? And then when they started filling out the form, how many people completed filling out the form? We've discussed this on the show a while back, and it's really interesting to see forms where people start filling them out, but then give up and abandon the form. And that's often a good insight into something not working on your form, maybe too many fields, maybe there was a field that they thought was optional, but then it was mandatory, so they abandoned the form. Really good insights there to act on. So listeners, go away, have a look at your form analytics and see what you can make better to grow better. Now on to our sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is talking about connecting Shopify with your HubSpot account and then utilizing the data that you're getting inside HubSpot. Now, when you do connect HubSpot with Shopify, you will notice it'll create an automatic deal pipeline, which is called the e-commerce pipeline. And all the transactions go into that. Now, just be aware that if you're not using sales professional, you can't edit the products, right? So you might see products in there, but you might then not be able to edit them 
in the deal. So that's one thing to be aware of. So, But I like how it's gone and created all of this stuff. One of the things that has really helped us with certain customers that use Shopify or are testing things out and they might not have uh, abandoned cart sequences or they might not know what's going on is that they look and see how many people have abandoned the cart or have stopped at the checkout and just gives them an understanding as to what's going on. So when we were when we were trialing this out with a customer of ours, they were taking a bit of time. I think I've shared this story before to get everything sorted. I think we left a product on the site. And so listeners, this is a HubSpot site. So we embedded, we used what they call the buy button in Shopify to put the product onto the site. And they realized that all these people had actually gone to the checkout and they looked at the value of the pipeline. They're like, oh, this is actually there's some some validity to this. So that was kind of the first kick up the butt to get things moving. And now that it is working, we're going to see what's going to happen with this. But it's been a good it's been a good test. And so I wanted to highlight to people is that now that we've got done this first step, the next part is you could start creating offers, you could start doing your abandoned cart nurture sequence. And there are so many other nurture sequences that you could do with people that have actually looked at uh, buying a product, even to the point of where we know that particular products that this relate to is we could actually run an offer because I created a list of all the people that have viewed these pages within HubSpot, an active list. We can now send them an offer to actually go buy the product online, which is a fair chunk of people. So it was, it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, I think this is really powerful. And this is just one of these simple integration pieces. It's all about integration. It's uh, deeply powerful. I know, what is it? Simply, deeply, deeply simple. What is the, what is it now? I keep losing track, Ian. You can choose two, right? Or three. It's like, oh, yeah, that's this. right. It was simple and powerful. Choose two. That's right. Was that? Yeah, that's but right. But you can have it. them both. Yeah, grow that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Now, here's a HubSpot Lister question of the week. Thank you, Amanda, for this question. Hi, Amanda. What is a good form conversion rate? And like many things in marketing, I think this depends, Craig. And we had a little interesting conversation about this, didn't we, before the show started. And so I wanted to highlight some things here. A generic newsletter sign-up is about 2%. That's a good result, I think. Yeah, generic newsletter sign-up, 2%. And a compelling newsletter sign-up that's tailored to the page and doesn't show already to subscribers would be 20%. Look, 20% might sound like a huge form conversion rate, but it is that. And one of the key things is don't keep showing it to people who have signed up. So if they've already subscribed, don't show it to them because that impacts your conversion rates. Yeah, but compelling. And we've all seen those newsletter signups that just go sign up um, and get our latest news. It's like, well, why? Who want to do it? Where if there's a compelling sign up, and by the way, on e-commerce sites, I know they love to throw a coupon code in there. Even those tend to get ignored these days unless they're compelling. So get 20% off this product that you're on the page looking at right now. It's much more compelling than just sign up to our newsletter and get a coupon code. And finally, a contact us page. Rough conversion rate should be about 10%. Yeah. And also the best converting offers are landing pages that are specifically tailored to a specific audience, have a specific message of high value and some of our landing pages uh, I mean I've shown you these before in like 40 to 50 percent conversion rates one in two people signing up for an appropriate offer that is achievable so we've got the whole range there next time someone says oh what's a good firm conversion rate you can say ah anything from one or two percent up to 40 or 50 percent it depends 
That's right. And uh, I know when I was talking to Amanda about this, one of the key things was she's in a lot of media, so she gets lots of visits because people see her in the media. But then she also sells a lot of programs to people. So she has a different conversion rate on those. So it's kind of a mixture of things because the site's not purely e-commerce. So conversion rate, including giving money, is that right? Correct. Yeah, that's always going to be much lower, isn't it? E-commerce conversion rates tend to be in the single digits, 2 3% on a, on a well-performing site. So just be aware of those listeners. And again, like we talked about form analytics, use that to determine a lot of this and see where you're benchmarking and how you can improve that. And keep a track of it because it'll actually help you. All right, on to our gotcha of the week, Craig. What is it? Uh, just a little one. You know, when you create quotes... You're using quotes. Yes. Oh, actually, what do you need for quotes? HubSpot Pro? Sales Pro? Sales Pro. Sales Pro, yeah. So if you've got Sales Pro and you're creating quotes, it walks you through a nice little step. And on one of the tabs, it's called Your Info. And that's who you are sending the quote. And there's a little thing that says phone number. And I've been scratching my head trying to work out where it pulls the phone number from. Because it never shows. I have to enter it each time. It doesn't pull from my notifications, uh, my profile. So, can't work out where it was. I've contacted HubSpot support. They're on the case as usual. They're excellent, but we don't have a result yet. So, dear listener, if you're scratching your head trying to work out where the sender phone number comes from, well, you're not alone. If we find an answer, we'll let you know. That's right, Craig. And I think some people might have quotes available to them in this current period after they've had all the promotions. All right. On to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. And I wanted to highlight this. It talks about the behind the scenes, popular times, and live business information. Now, I love it says this. busyness information. And why I wanted to highlight this was that you see this on Google My Business when you search for location. So, in the example I've given here is a local ice cream shop, Baskin Robbins. And you will often see this on the Google My Business and it's kind of a bit down the side of the page. It'll tell you popular times and just so you understand how busy places are. And Google talks about this in terms of maps, but I want to talk about in terms of Google My Business and how important that is in terms of your location, the details you have and how people are visiting. And how does Google work this out? To calculate a business insight, they analyze and aggregate anonymized location history data from people who have opted and turned this setting on on their Google account. And the data is instrumental to calculating how busy a place typically is every hour of the week. And the busiest hour becomes their benchmark. And then they display the business data on the rest of the week relative to that busiest hour. So this is really interesting. And, you know, it's even broken down by days. So you can see that. And it'll tell you if it's live, if there's they're able to feed data into it right now. So they can tell you what's going on. Because there could be a spike on a particular day. For example, on the 31st of the month, Baskin and Robbins, I know, has... A sale on their take-home tubs, right? They have 31% off. So on that particular day, this this data is going to get skewed. And that's why I find this really fascinating when I'm when I'm looking at this in stores. I think this is so interesting. And in the graph you've got in the show notes, this is I'll just explain it's got the Baskin Robbins time frame and at 5 p.m. it just goes dead. And I was like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that. 
especially when it's so busy at six o'clock. And of course, as you highlighted to me, it's like, well, that's when everyone's going home. And then six o'clock is, well, it's after dinner, maybe. So I wonder what they could do with this data. So, Craig, you know what's interesting? If you look at the data or the screenshot I've taken, mm. you will see there is a pattern, right? And you'll see the the bar where it's live and where it's it says not busy. But you can actually see the bar is a lot higher than the live where it is in the live sections. Oh. So, I think that's a really interesting bit of information right there ah, that I just realized. So, hang on. So, does this – I've misread it then. So, is that actually saying 5 p.m. is actually busier than 4 p.m.? Correct. It is. But at ah, the current time when it's getting live data, it's actually saying it's a lot less busier at this point right. in time. When we so, right now the it's not busy, but normally it would be busier. Okay. Gotcha. Correct. And I didn't realize that until we were just talking about it. Yeah, so that makes sense because I was wondering, I was like, why Why does it suddenly go dead then? But yeah, it's just this particular day, Monday. <laughs> exactly. Took this screenshot. And you know what's also interesting, listeners, you will see they're able to tell how long people typically spend there. And so here people spend 10 minutes typically, which kind of makes sense because people go in and they stand in a, they might stand in the line and then they try a few flavors out. Then they decide what ice cream they're going to have. So that sounds about right, right? So it's, it's actually quite interesting to see the kind of data that's getting picked up. All right, Craig, on to our insight of the week. And I thought this is gold. The power of continual incremental campaign implementation. We should turn that into something like CICI, <laughs> continual incremental <laughs> campaign implementation. Anyway, look, let me give you a little backstory to this because we've been working with this client, very large client, international client. When we first started with them, which was September last year, so 14 months ago, the thing that surprised me was how slow they were to move. It was taking three months or so just to get a campaign in market getting a landing page and a few things in place. So they're with HubSpot. So we can move quickly. And I was finding it frustrating how long it took internally for them to get something ready and then it comes back and there's all this process. And I was like, wow, this is taking forever, especially compared to some of our other clients. But the other thing that I didn't realize at the time is that they were doing multiple pieces at the same time. So while they were taking longer, they were at least doing them in parallel. Now, fast forward to a couple of months later, and okay, it takes three months to get the first campaign live, but then we're getting one or two live. And then the next month, oh, there's another one or two campaigns going live. Oh, and then the month after, there's like two or three campaigns. We're building momentum. You come to 12 months, 14 months later, they have got a ton of campaigns in the market and they are generating a ton of leads. And it's just this juggernaut that now has momentum. And so the reason I raise this is because we often want very quick results. And as agencies, we're under a lot of pressure to get quick results with most of our clients. We weren't with this client. They never put pressure on us. They just really wanted to get these things rolling out. And so the takeaway from this is take the long-term view because they have such a moat now. And I'm, I'm, well, I'm quite pleased to say they're getting hundreds of leads per month now. Whereas when we started, they were getting one or two, a trickle here. And even after three or six months, I was getting nervous. It's like, oh, we're getting, oh, what, five to 10 leads a week if on a good week. And I was just like, wow. And because they're paying us a lot of money, I'll say, and they're putting a lot of money into some of these assets that are built internally and with other agencies and things like that. I was like, wow, 
But here's the thing, they just the momentum they have now, and we're putting two to three campaigns in market every month, it is just a momentum that is growing and growing. It's unstoppable. So that's the takeaway. Take the long view, plan multiple simple campaigns every month, rinse and repeat. And by the way, I think it's worth mentioning what a campaign is because it is very simple. It's very much, okay, get an asset. That could be an ebook, could be a video. Get a HubSpot landing page and thank you page. Put a HubSpot email nurture together and simple three or four follow-up emails. Promote on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google Ads. We're also doing Quora and Pinterest and Spotify ads for them as well. Get the reporting in place because you must make sure that there's reporting in, so you can track it. And then you tweak and optimize. That's it. That's a campaign, right? It's it's not complex. This is campaign 101. 101. 101. It, and it's just rinse and repeat. And, and a few new campaigns every month. And it's very, very powerful. So I thought that that's been a lesson to me. I have to be patient. I'm normally quite impatient. Be patient. Watch this and the client... We're very happy with the results. And I just want to get, I just wish I had more clients like this now because we do have the time. It's now just growing and growing. It's, it's like, you know, it's like compound interest in a bank now. It's just, it's just growing of its own accord. So listeners, I hope that's useful. How do you find your clients? Is this something that you've got the, I guess, the ability to work with in your clients, this kind of slow and steady juggernaut approach in? I am finding that on some of them, Craig. But again, I think you're right in saying is understanding the client and understanding how quickly they want things, right? And how long-term their view is. And I think you've demonstrated really clearly to everyone is that having that long-term view and understanding the moat you're building. So building those landing pages and building those assets is what is paying off today with what you're receiving. And I think in its simplest form, listeners, just think about networks of roads and estates of houses being built. If you are the owner of that, you're collecting rent, you're making people get around easier and everything just works better and people are happy to pay for it. So I think we've got to, we've got to change our thinking, don't we, Craig? I think so. It reminds me of that quote. Is It might be Bill Gates or I've, actually it's someone else. I forget who uh, came up with the quote, but it's, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10 years at long term. Well, in marketing, it's almost take that down by an order of magnitude. We overestimate what we can do in a month, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. Just a putting in a 12 months of just solid, methodical campaign after campaign after campaign not getting distracted by shiny objects and little things over here. And, oh, we've got to just slow and steady quality uh, wins the race. All right, Craig. And now on to our app feature of the week. And this is for all our Apple listeners out there. And it's to do with AirDrop. And why am I talking about this? Because a lot of people that use Apple devices are not aware that AirDrop is available to easily transfer pictures, files, and all sorts of things, right? To share things through. And they end up emailing themselves, messaging themselves, and doing all sorts of things and creating more work for themselves. So I wanted to highlight this because I've been sharing this to a few of my friends I work with and I've said, and they've been trying to email me and do it. I'm like, no, just airdrop it to me. 
And they're like, and I, it's quite funny. Once they get it, they're like, this is gold. They're airdropping things to their Mac, to their iPads and all sorts of places. And we often forget there are often easier ways to do things. And we just haven't changed the way we're doing things. And so just want to highlight listeners. Think about all the things you're doing every day. And what is the one thing you can change that would make your life easier? And here it is, airdrop. This is a good one. And you know what, though? Airdrop, have you ever wondered when you should reboot your Mac? Basically, my tip, if airdrop's not working, time to reboot your Mac. Because I just did that before. I'm like, oh, my airdrop's not working and some Bluetooth headsets and what's... what's so something got stuff up. Okay, time for a reboot. Airdrop is a, is my re- reboot indicator. There you go, Ian. Another, That's right. <laughs> another great news. All right, on to our resource of the week, listeners. And there's a great resource here. It's called Facebook for Business News. And this is a, a site that I'd never discovered before, but it's got all the news related to Facebook that businesses would want from, you know, new courses and new just new things that are happening, some research, etc. So I encourage you to look at that. There are also free Facebook lessons available for people if they want to understand how to make better ads, how to get better imagery for your Facebook assets. Lots of really good things in there. So have a look because you might actually learn something. If you can make things 1% better, Craig, you'll be better off today. And finally, on to our quote of the week, Craig, all over to you. Anyone who claims to be a leader must speak like a leader. That means speaking with integrity and truth. Well, there's a quote for the Times, and this one is from Kamala Harris. And this is the week, folks. We're recording this on Monday, the 2nd of November. It's going to be hopefully a much more, well, let's just see what, how we're feeling next let's Monday. Let's see what happens by the end of the week, Craig. <laughs> we're not calling anything. All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in again. Please follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Please connect with Craig and myself on LinkedIn. Please send us a note to say that you listen to the show. We love hearing from you guys. If you do have any questions or you need help with HubSpot, you can book time in our calendars and we will be happy to help you out. So just go to hubshots.com and book a time that's suitable for you. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.